Okay, uh, this morning we are picking up our series that we were on before um, Easter and before Pastor John Stocker spoke last week. Um, wasn't that great, by the way, Pastor John's message? Uh, this is pretty crazy, but we actually had more people in service last Sunday than we did on Easter. That was awesome. So um, loved having everyone come out. And I think the sermon on, on its post online has over 700 views now. So um, probably, get, probably go over 1,000 at some point. But that was super amazing. But we're picking up the series that we were in uh, since before that. The, the title of the series that we've been in is called Made Two. And we've been talking about things that we have, uh, God has made us to be or made us to do. How many want to know that God is our designer? And sometimes we have to go through the designer's manual and figure out how this stuff works, right? So we've been looking at that in scripture. I'll do a, a quick um, review here. Uh, part one was you are made to receive God's love. You are the object of his affection. You are made to receive his love. Uh, part two, uh, my beautiful wife, Emily, did an amazing message called Made to Run. She talked about how there is a race set before us that we are supposed to run, that God has us in that race. Part three is made to be confident in God's love. So you're made to receive his love, and God actually wants us to have confidence in his love for us. It's more important that you have confidence in his love for you than your love for him. Okay, why? Because our love has limits. His love is limitless. Okay, be confident in his love. Part four, uh, we did a message called Made to Worship. Part of your design, part of your purpose is to be a worshiper. Oftentimes people don't feel fulfilled in their lives or in what they're doing and whatever. Um, And part of your design is to be a worshiper. So if you feel like you're unfulfilled, I encourage you, become a worshiper. That's part of who God's designed you to be. You won't fulfill, you won't feel fulfilled in your life until that's part of what you do in your life. Okay, today I want to talk about the fact that you and I were created for relationship with the living God. The title of our message today is called Made to be Known. Made to be Known. God has created us to have a personal an intimate relationship with him, okay? A one-of-a-kind relationship with him. How many have more than, you have kids, but you have more than, one, more than one kid? Raise your hands. Let me ask you a question. Do you relate to each of your kids the same exact way? No, they each have different personality types. You have to learn how each of them are wired and designed differently, and you have a different relationship with every single one of your children. Listen, God doesn't just have like a, a blanket-covering relationship with humanity. He has an individual, personal relationship with each and every one of us. And this is what he desires for you. Let me ask you a question. What other religion in the world encourages us to have an intimate, personal connection with the Lord? Most of them, God is over here. He's distant. We're serving him. We're trying to make him happy. We're trying to please him. But in Christianity, he lives in our hearts Jesus said, I want them to be with me where I am. That was Jesus' prayer. This is what he wants for us. It's amazing. He's, so he wants to call us into that relationship. Think about this. We could spend all day talking about how glorious and majestic and powerful God is. How many know he's omnipresent? That is, he's everywhere at once. Through the Holy Spirit, he's everywhere at once. He's omnipotent. He possesses all power. He's omniscient. 
he knows everything that there is to know. Uh, normally, when you when you call someone a know-it-all, it's a uh, you're 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 not complimenting them. But with God, He is a know-it-all, right? And it's not a, it's not a diss; it's a compliment to God. Hey, God, you're a know-it-all. He knows everything. He's he's omniscient. Furthermore, He is perfectly holy. He is morally pure. Um, same thing. When you call someone self-righteous, that's usually an insult, is it not? But with God, you could say, God, you're self-righteous. And it's a compliment to him. So God is a self-righteous know-it-all, and it's amazing. And it's so good. Okay, that's not a, that's not a uh, disrespect to him. That's a compliment to him. That's part of his divine nature. Anytime you say that to anyone else, it's like, because obviously no one is self-righteous, right? There's no righteousness apart from God's righteousness. And no one knows half of everything there is to know. Yet in the middle of his total splendor, perfect power, God desires to know you intimately and personally. This is true Christianity. This is what he wants for us. Um, God has desires. Um, God is a person. What What is a person? It's not because you have a physical being. A person is someone who has a mind, a will, and emotions. God has a mind, will, and emotions. And one of his will, part of his will, part of his desires is that he desires an intimate, personal relationship with all of his children. Okay? Um, You can see this desire begin to unfold, beginning in Genesis chapter 1. God, um, previous to creating humanity, of course, God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they're one. So there's not many gods, there's one God, but they're three persons. And within the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is perfect unity, perfect harmony, and fellowship and honor within that trinity. Yet God said in the midst of that, you know what? There's room in our hearts. There's room in my heart for a family. I want a family. Let us create mankind in our image. How I many you know, like when you're a newlywed couple, you buy a house and maybe there's some empty rooms in that house. And then you realize you come to a place where it's like, you know what? There's room in our heart for a family. There's room in our heart for children. There's room in our heart to, to fill this, this home. This is what it was like when God created the heavens and the earth. He's like, let's fill this place with some family. I want to know them. This is the God we serve. Okay, this is what God desires. Um, how many people have people in your life that when their birthday comes up, Christmas comes up, you have no idea what to buy them. And here's why. Because they have money, and whatever they want, they buy. I have people, like, our fathers are like that. They, it's hard to find gifts that they will like because it's like, well, we could buy this. Well, they probably already bought it. They already got that um, thing for them. Fathers can be like that. But here's what I want to say. What do you get for a God who is self-existent, self-sufficient, and can create anything? What can you get for this God? I'll tell you what you can get. Voluntary relationship. This is something he desires from us. is a voluntary relationship with him. Okay, so we're going to kind of talk today about uh, knowing God, having a relationship with him. This is what he desires for us. This God wants us, of course, to love him, but he doesn't want to just be loved for what he can do for us. God wants to be loved for who he is. Okay? He wants to be loved for who he is. Pray, we praise God for what he does, right? How many have praised God for something he's done? Yay. And I love what God does. 
uh, Psalm 150, verse 2 says, Praise him for his mighty works and his unequaled greatness. That's a good reason to praise God. We praise God for what he does, but God wants us to, um, wants to be known for more than just what he does and what he can do through us. He wants to be known for who he is. See, true worship is a revelation. True worship is a revelation of his absolute worth, of his absolute beauty. True, revela- uh, true worship is a reflection of a revelation of his true beauty. Um, give you an example of how God wants to be loved. How many here you know like someone who's really rich? Like they got a lot of money. How many of you are really rich? Leave your hand up. Just kidding. <laughs> I want to be your friend. No. Um, this must be hard for people um, who are really rich and and in their friendships. I often wonder, like, they, they must wonder, do my friends just like me for what I can do for them? Are they only my friends because of what I have or that I pick up the check or that I, am, you know, help bless or whatever? I bet it's really hard for people like that. Um, they're like, if I lost all this money, would people still love me for who I am? But here's my question for us today. Do we only love God because he's provider, protector, healer, savior? Thank God for those things. Hallelujah. But do I want to know his heart. I want to know him intimately and personally. In the book of Job, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 through 11, Satan, who's the accuser, basically accuses Job of only loving God because of what God does for Job. Let me read this for you. It says, Then the Lord said to Satan, uh, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan's accusation is, he only loves you for what you can do for him. And furthermore, I don't believe Satan was just saying, this is Job. I think, I think Satan was saying to God, this is all of them. This is humanity. They only love you because you're provider, protector, healer, what you can do for them. They don't love you for who you are. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you love God just because he's your sugar daddy? Or do you love him for who he is? You were made to be known by the living God. Listen, thank God for his provision, his protection, his healing, his restoration, his salvation. I love those things. He's a good father, and good fathers do those things. Good fathers are providers and protectors, promoters, right? And our Heavenly Father also is a healer. Our Heavenly Father brings salvation to us. That's because he's a good father. It's his nature. He doesn't heal because we twisted his arm to heal. He heals because he's a good father. That's his nature to do those things. But ultimately, what I want us to get beyond, and this is a level of maturity that we need to grow in, God wants to be known for more than what he can do. He wants to know us personally. I want to say this morning, be careful of religiosity that is uh, void of relationship with God. Okay, religiosity that's void of relationship, one aspect of that, one dimension of that is 
is seeing God as provider, protector, healer, but not being connected with the heart of God himself. That is actually a form of religiosity that we don't want to have. Let me give you an example of this through scripture and how we can um, not fall into that trap. In Exodus, God led the children of Israel out of slavery. How did he do it? Through his mighty acts of power, right? You guys remember this? Then in chapter 20 of Exodus, uh, God gave Moses 10 commandments. Moses comes down from the Mount Sinai, and this is what the people, watch what the people said to Moses. Verse 18, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blasts, the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning uh, and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. Verse 19, they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us directly or we will die. Okay, they, they saw God's mighty acts, his power, his glory, but they're afraid. And they say, you know, what, Moses, you talk to God. We'll do, what you, we'll do what he says, but you talk to him for us. We're not interested in getting close to this God. Why? We're afraid. Let me show you, let me show you the result of what happened to the children of Israel. The result is this. They knew the statutes of God. They knew the rules, the commandments, without knowing the heart of God. Okay. I, I often wonder if God, if they had allowed God to speak to them personally and convey his nature, the, the reason behind the rules, maybe they would have been better with the rules. Now listen, Christianity is not a list of rules. Christianity is a relationship with the living God. He writes the rules on our hearts. We read them here and he writes them on our hearts, right? But he conveys that, his nature to us, and that's the, the empowering grace to walk in those things is because we're in a relationship with him. It says in Exodus 33 that Moses pitched a tent and met God inside of that tent, outside of the camp. And Moses called it the tent of meeting. It was Exodus 33, 11. It says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses had an intimate relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. What was the result of Moses having a relationship with God and the people having a list of rules? What, was, what, did, what did that, what happened with that? What was, let me show the answer. Psalm 103 verse 7 says this. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Israel was acquainted with his mighty acts, his power, his glory, but Moses was acquainted with his ways. Okay? Moses knew God personally. The people only knew his acts. I love the miracle working power of God. I love that he is a healer. I love the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. I love the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. We love it all. Like, we, we love it all. We go after it all. It's part of who God is. But more than that, I want to know the heart of God and the presence of God. Amen? Here's what I want to say this morning. It's possible, it is possible to be acquainted with the power of God and not know God. You can be saved heaven bound because you've received the gift of salvation, but not really have an intimate relationship with the Lord. It's possible to be acquainted with the provision of God, he's a provider, and not know God. It's possible to know the protection of God and not know God. It's certainly possible to know the commandments of God and not know God for yourself. Am I right? The children of Israel saw the mighty power of God 
and how it brought them out of Egypt, but they didn't understand the nature of the Lord because they stayed at a distance. Let me say it this way this morning, church. They had a secondhand relationship with the Lord. They had a secondhand relationship with the Lord, not a firsthand intimate relationship with the Lord. And I believe the Lord was actually inviting them to that. But they, they chose to stay separated and let God talk to them. Here's the deal. You won't, uh, if you don't know the spirit of the law, you will never walk in the letter of the law, right? How many, how many um, different states have different laws? And every once in a while, I should have gotten a video of like some of the dumb laws that are out there and the reasons for them. How many know there's some really stupid laws out there? But if you understand the why behind the law, you're much more likely to obey that thing because you understand the, the heart behind it, right? Same thing with following the Lord. If, if there's some rule or something that clearly Scripture says I should do or not do, if I understand the heart and the nature behind that, I'm much more likely to walk in it. It's a huge difference. They had a relationship with the rules Moses had a relationship with the rule, the one who was making the rules. Amen? There's a huge difference. This morning, I want to give us three keys to growing in our relationship with the Lord. Or I'll say it this way. There's three pillars of relationships. And actually, these pillars are across the board with any relationship. But we're going to apply them today to our relationship with the Lord. All right, so pillars of relationships. Point number one, you need to have firsthand communication with the person you're in a relationship with. In order to be close to someone, you must have communication with them. How can you be close to someone if you're not talking with them? You can't. Again, thank God for apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. Thank God for those people. But don't ever let those people be a substitute for a personal relationship yourself. I'm not up here as a substitute for, for your connection with God. I'm up here as a I don't know, a coach, go get them, y'all, you know what I'm saying, okay? The Bible instructs us to come together, to worship together, to gather, teach, preach, encourage, all those things, but this isn't a substitute for your own relationship with the Lord. God wants to connect with you personally, okay? The children of Israel said to Moses, you talk to him for us, we'll do the rules, we'll do this stuff, well, here's the deal. They never did the rules. <laughs> they, never, they never did it. And to be fair, grace wasn't available to them through the blood of Jesus to do the rules. But I think they would have been much more successful in that walk with the Lord had they allowed God to come close to their heart. You need God's heart. What are you going to do? You're going to talk to God. He knows every want you have. He knows every need you have. But he actually wants you to articulate your thoughts to him. I've, I've talked about quiet times often and Part of my quiet time is quiet. Um, But there are times where there's things going on in your life. I talk to God about them. I articulate my thoughts and build a case of what I'm talking about. And Like God doesn't know. But I do that anyway. Why? He wants to know my heart. He wants me to articulate thoughts before him. And then I stop and say, okay, God, I have this situation or I'm dealing with this person and it's really difficult and, you know. Here's my list and my complaints and all that stuff. And then I stop and I'm like, now I'm going to let you talk to me. What is your heart for the situation? What is your heart for that person? Influence this because we're having communication, but I'm not saying my communication is right. You need to influence my, my heart. So let him speak back to you and change the way you think, okay? Especially when you're dealing with difficult situations or people that are difficult 
pray and articulate these things, take them to the Lord, but let him influence you back. Amen? Okay, so that's point number one. Point number two, uh, pillar number two in relationships is vulnerability. If you want to be close with someone, you have to have vulnerability. Am I right? How could you be close to someone if there's no vulnerability with them? If you want an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord, don't be superficial. Okay, religiosity is superficial. Come to the Lord and bear yourself. Look at the way David cried out to the Lord in the Psalms. It's clear that David is probably a more emotional person than even I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a very emotional person anyway. My wife is, okay. More so than me. But convey your thoughts to the Lord. Tell him everything. Tell him your pain, your secrets, your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, your failures, your dreams. Articulate these thoughts to the Lord. Be vulnerable with the Lord. Are you vulnerable with the Lord? Are you superficial and clean yourself up and come before him? Make yourself tidy before you come to him. Don't do that, okay? He, yes, he knows everything, but are you allowing yourself to be known by him? And then here's the deal. Allow God to be vulnerable in return. Okay, God's love is always on, so he is vulnerable. But I, I wonder if we, do we ever think about this? We think about like, yeah, I need to be real with God. I need to be vulnerable with God. But can he be vulnerable with you? Let me give you an example of where I think this is important. In the word of God, um, it talks about prophets, of course. And it says in one place that the prophets are the friends of God. Okay, prophets are the friends of God. Listen, what do friends do? Friends tell friends secrets, don't they? Friends tell friends secrets. These are, these are people who are in a close relationship with the Lord, and God is being vulnerable to them and telling them things about the world or their lives. And, and I'll, uh, furthermore, I'll say this. Not everything that the Lord says to you, you have to tell everyone else. Some things that the Lord speaks to you are between you and God. So, some things are for you and God and, and no one else. Now, now, if he speaks something to you and tells you to say something to someone else or to minister to someone, that's great. Or, but he might have you do something or minister to someone, and it would be a cool thing that happened. And uh, this has happened in my own life where the Holy Spirit's like, you know what? Let's just keep that between us. That person you gave to, prayed for, ministered to, I want this one to be our just between us. I want you to just keep that, keep that covered. Am I, am I talking to anyone here? Let him be vulnerable in return. He wants us to be vulnerable to him. Let him be vulnerable in return to him. It's a real, this is a real relationship we're, not, we're talking about, not a hypothetical relationship. You're not beginning a relationship with a, a list of rules and a, a force. He's a person who wants to be vulnerable in return to you, okay? So be vulnerable in your relationship. How can you be close to someone if you're not vulnerable? All right, pillar number three. Pillar number three is freedom. How can you have a deep relationship with anyone if you're not free to be who you are? Okay, this is one of the differences between Christianity and all the other religions in the world. All the other religions in the world, we clean ourselves up to come before God. In Christianity, we come as we are. Now, he doesn't leave us in that place. He changes us, of course, transforms us from glory to glory. That's amazing. But that's his job. Our job is to come before him. Amen? Okay, how can you have a deep relationship with someone if you're not free to come as you are? You don't need to walk on eggshells. This is how we came to Jesus in the first place, with the blood of Jesus when we got saved, right? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. This is how we continue in our relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's someone here today, you, knew, you know what I'm talking about. You came to the Lord, 
just as I am, filthy rags, nothing I can do to be close to God. His grace came upon your life. He set you free. And somewhere along the way, you got a little bit religious. And you're like, you know, you, you mess up and you're like, okay, I got to do some good deeds for a while. I got to clean myself up before I can come back to God and pray to God. Okay? You need to stop that. The way you came to him the first time is the way you need to stay with him moving forward. It's, it's come as you are. Okay? All right. Um, Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 says this. Brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Come as you are before the Lord. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. And undoubtedly, when you do that, he will change and transform you and renew you. Amen? How can you be close to someone if you can't come to them as you are? You can't. So to conclude, we're going to jump back over to the book of Exodus. Chapter 32. Moses is up on the mountain with God. And in his absence, the Israelites, they kind of panic. What happened to Moses? So they, Aaron makes a golden calf. And they begin to make sacrifices before this calf. And this becomes an idol. Okay, they make sacrifices before it, and they begin to worship this calf. Uh, God was not happy about that, just so you know. Okay, God was fed up with them, and this is what God said in Exodus 33, 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people brought up out of Egypt. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Okay, notice what he's doing here. I don't know how many of you have kids, and when they misbehave, you come home. And your spouse is like, look what your kid did. You know what I'm saying? And Moses must be like, "Uh, these aren't my kids. These are your kids, God. You know? Okay. So the ones you brought out of Egypt. Well, Moses didn't bring them out of Egypt. God did, right? But God's mad. Go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Prezerites, Hivites and Jebusites. Lots of ites. Get them out. Right? Verse 3. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you along the way. Okay? He's ticked off. Okay? But here's what I wonder. Here they are being presented with an opportunity to go into the blessings of God, the promises of God, without God. God would have done it. He promised it on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These people, your descendants, I will give them this land. I promise you. And God says, you know what? I did did make that promise, but I didn't promise to go with them. You know, they could, apparently they could have done that. They could have gone to the promised land and enjoyed the blessings of God. God would have driven out the enemies without God. Listen. I think there are times in our lives where God promised something to us. There's promises in his word. And there are times where we could step into the blessings of God without God. Look at what Moses said in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know to whom you will send with me. Whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name 
and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. Okay, he's like, no, God, these aren't my people. These are your people. You're leading them. But notice what he says here. He says, you said, I know you by name. Now teach me your ways that I can know your name more. Okay, watch what God does. Verse 14. This is a friendship relationship we see here. Verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Okay, I'll go with you. This is what friendship did. Verse 15, I love what Moses does here. He draws a line in the sand. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He says, God, if you're not going, we're not going. We don't even want the blessings that you have for us without you. Okay, this is, this is what I want my life to be. I don't want the stuff without the presence of the Lord. And I believe there's opportunities in our lives to step into the things God has for us without the presence of God. Um, you know, I'll give an example. My wife and I recently bought a new house. It's nicer than our old house. I've, in the last year, gotten a new car. It's nicer than my old car. But I, one of the thoughts I have is like, you know what? I'd rather be in my old house and I'd rather be in my old car and have the presence of God than to have the great things that God has for me now and in the future without him. Okay? Verse 16, this is what Moses says. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In other words, this is what Moses is saying. The blessings don't distinguish us. The land that you want to give us, that doesn't distinguish us. What makes us separate? What distinguishes us? The presence of God. The person of God. That's what we want. Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Church, you were made to be known. You were made to be known. The ultimate blessing is not the things God does for us. The ultimate blessing is God himself. He is the blessing. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and says, I am your exceeding great reward. Okay, God promised Abraham descendants. God promised Abraham land. God promised Abraham stuff. But here God says, that's, not the prom- that's really not the promised land. The promised land is me. I'm the promised land. Come on. I am your great reward, not the land. Church, the ultimate inheritance is not what God can give to us. He is the inheritance. It's knowing him. It's walking with him. It's having relationship with him. David said this in Psalm 16, verse 5. He's talking about his kingship and what the Lord has given him. But he says this, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You are the inheritance. He's saying, God, God is the reward. He is the prize. He is the inheritance. You were made to be known by God. I can't call you to a higher calling. I don't know if you're called to be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, or what you're supposed to do in life, but I can't call you anything higher than this, than to have a deep, intimate, personal, one-of-a-kind relationship with the Lord. They say that um, there are no two snowflakes that are alike. And I don't know how anyone could actually know that, because have you seen all the snowflakes forever? No. But apparently, they've never observed two snowflakes to be exactly alike. This is certainly the case with humans. None of us are exactly alike. And God has a tailor-made, catered relationship 
ready for each and every one of you. And I want to encourage you this morning to step into that relationship and be his friend. Some things just between you and the Lord. You don't have to tell everyone. Amen? One of the things that I think about a lot is the fact that we we rent this facility from another church, and we've been so blessed to rent this from the Seventh-day Church. They meet on Saturdays. We, We are here on Sunday mornings. And we've had a great relationship with them. And we've been here the whole time, the four and a half years. Uh, But one of the things we think about a lot is we want our own space. We want our own building. And we're saving to that end. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the future and stuff. And we don't know exactly when or where that will pan out. But I was thinking about this in this message. One of our goals is to, like, have a building. And I think it will help us reach more people. But it's like, man, I would rather be a nomadic church that bounces place to place that is marked by the presence of God than to come into this great facility that, you know, God just blesses us with and become stagnant and stale and, and dead in our hearts with, to God. Amen. I think about this a lot. And so I want to pray for you this morning and just encourage you that you are made to be known, and I want to encourage you in this relationship with the Lord. Go deep with him. There is so much more for all of us. I'm going to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for today. I thank you for every individual in this house, Lord, that you have called us into a deep, intimate, personal relationship with you, Lord. And I pray that each person would feel the excitement and the revelation in their heart to know the God. Yes, you have all the stuff, Lord. You have all the blessings. You have all the money, the cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. But God, ultimately, we just want to know you. We just want to walk with you, Lord. So this morning, maybe there are people here who you've started with the Lord. You had passion in your heart. And somewhere along the line, you got into religiosity and routine. God's calling you back this morning just to have that childlikeness in your relationship. Jesus' name, amen.